Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome everyone to Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm here as always with the lovely and talented Ben Hendricks. Ben, hey, how buddy. are you today? I'm well, as always. Lovely well, and talented. <laughs> lovely and talented. I just promoted you. <laughs> We've all had the Facebook interaction about a hot button issue. You know, it's something political, it's something COVID related, it's something to do with Coach K. I don't know. But the comments fly back and forth. And then we're like, how can my friend actually think that? How can they actually say that? It's ludicrous. And then the comments get personal. And then, as always seems to be the case, they get uglier than we mean them to be, or we take something from someone else mm. uglier. And, you know, writing in the heat of the moment never ends well. And then this disagreement over an issue becomes a division in a friendship, and then hard feelings start to set in. So how do we help ourselves? How can we stop? That's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. We want to help, help ourselves when we're thinking about disagreeing and friendship. Because it's not just on social media, right? I mean, it's also a personal thing that we have in every relationship that we have. There's always going to be disagreement. Uh, I mean, with your spouse, with your kids, My uh, all that stuff. I know they, they, you know, some, some spouses tend to be wrong a lot more, you know, I don't, what can I say? <laughs> but even more importantly, maybe, is we see it all the time in our church. I mean, we, like the church is notorious on disagreeing mm. on things. No, it's true. And then, you know, I, I've taken, I've seen classes on this and, you know, <laughs> Southern Baptist history, they disagree <laughs> and they split. Baptists disagree? Believe it or not. That's why there's so many. <laughs> we can't seem to go five years, mm. it feels like, to, without like a major crisis uh, of yeah. unity, and then we just go our separate ways. We can't agree, and yeah, we just do our own thing. And so like, it, and it's just crazy because the very people that God has entrusted with this message of reconciliation is often not using it when it comes to one another. That's very good. I mean... <laughs> So, uh, and, it, and it doesn't mean that ideas don't matter. Like, we're not yeah. just saying, hey, let's dumb everything down to some level of namby-pamby unity. No, yeah. because ideas matter, and we have different ways of looking at the world or at certain situations, and that's important. Nobody wants to be a doormat, redundant, codependent. That's not strong relationships. So yeah. how do we do ideas that matter and relationships that matter? Yeah, because being able to hold those intention is such a difficult thing because I think you're right of so many people, like for, for unity's sake, we water things down and or we're willing to go as broad as possible. And there are times to do that and times not to do that. Things that you have to stand firm on and times you go, well, you know, we let's figure this out. So how can we be convinced of something without canceling others? Yeah. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. How are we convinced of something true to our beliefs, but not canceling people, writing them off? And I think... Everybody needs to hear this yeah, because this yeah. is, again, this is not something that only comes up on Sunday mornings, but it is, in, it is in your small groups, it's in your family, it's in your friendships, it's everywhere. How yeah. you relate on social media, everywhere. So here's what we'll do is let's tackle this on two levels. First level is the framework level of concepts and where do concepts go and ideas and opinions. Second level is the, the side of interacting. And of course, that we could do 36 hours on how to interact well. But we're going to give a couple of thoughts, a couple of helps. So framework on ideas and then how to interact. How we can be convinced but not close others off or not cancel others out. So let me give, let me do this, Ben. I yeah. love this. You actually preached on this recently, and we've talked about this as a staff for four, five, six, seven years. 
Um, if you had to put every idea or viewpoint or opinion that somebody can hold into one of four categories, like let's say you build a bookshelf, a conceptual bookshelf in your life, and there's a top shelf, middle, middle, and a bottom shelf. Every idea or opinion you have can go on one of those shelves. Mm. Let me explain them. Top shelf is matters of truth or error. You never move these or else you're living in a false reality. We'll give some examples in a second. Let me get all four of them out there. Matters of truth and error, the top and the most important. The next level are things that we'll call matters of doctrine. So what we as Christians would say, what the Bible teaches about some topic, second level from the top, truth and error, now you have matters of doctrine. Super important, not quite as important, and we'll show you the difference in a second. Third and fourth level, matters of conviction, and then matters of preference. Matters of conviction is me living out wisdom, how I'm going to make decisions in my life. And then the fourth bottom shelf is matters of preference, matters of taste. There's no scriptural mandate for this. There's no eternal significance. Yeah. So truth and error, doctrine, conviction, preference. Let's give some examples. Yeah, so I think in like in truth and error, these are, you know, it's kind of the easy ones, right? Because <laughs> that's right. Most of us agree on these, that these are matters, are matters on which like there is no margin of disagreement. Uh, I mean, yeah. like a, how about a really easy one that's not church, like gravity. It is very <laughs> difficult to argue against gravity. And we've all tried at one point. <laughs> yeah, I can think of the times where I was convinced I can fly mm -hmm. and uh, it never quite worked out. Mm -mm. Like you and I, like these are not like the difficult ones. These are the things that, again, we all hold to that you can't pretend to miss it. It's, it right. is there. Uh, it's just always, it's always a thing. And so once for like for our faith, for Christianity in general, like ones that we just all hold to are the Trinity. Mm. Like the, this, this is a revelation of God that is true at all times. It doesn't change. It, it's never different. And it's who God is. Like this is something that if, if these are the things that if you deny this, you're not inside Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, you're outside of it. Trinity, that's a great example. What else? Uh, like resurrection. Like the yeah. resurrection of Jesus. Like if, if you deny that, I mean, that actually happened. And if you say that's not true, well, then you're on a different side of reality, I think. Yeah, I, I think Scripture is God's Word is another mm. one. Uh, I mean, like it's just true. that, yeah. And there's no room for being able to like fudge on this one or to change your, like, to change your mind. Right. Like, because it's just a foundational thing. And it, when we start removing this away, we start getting into a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of issues. I think one last little example here in the Christian world on truth and error is the exclusivity of Christ. Yeah. How many ways are there to salvation, to God? That's a matter of truth and error. That, that yeah. matters for eternity. And we believe the Bible is very clear that no one comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Yeah. Now, apart from Christianity, everyone in the world has matters of truth and error. Like you've already noted gravity. Yeah. I think supply and demand, honestly. I think, I think yeah. economics messed it up. Like the economic people over there in, the, in their ivory towers, you know, the dismal science, they call it. Uh, but actually, supply and demand is a principle in the world. And every place you have people wanting something, the law of supply and demand is in play. Yeah. I think biology, there really are two sexes. I mean, that's just unmistakable. And even those few people born without the right genitalia is the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. So the biology really matters. 
Um, we can go on and on, but gravity, supply and demand, biology, these are matters of truth and error. There's no kind of picking what you think works. Yeah. Well, let's go to the second shelf, matters of doctrine. Now, let's, let's flesh this out a little bit. And we call it doctrine because it's, it's more than just what I think, it's what we think. And, and this is an interesting thing. Uh, this is where a church together says, this is what we believe Scripture teaches. We grid Scripture, we look through Scripture, and this is what we believe it teaches. Doctrines, matters of doctrine are deep and carefully considered by a group of people searching out the Scriptures together. Your local church body and elders mm. say, or your denomination, or if you're Roman Catholic, the, you know, the, the, the congregation of the doctrine over there in the Vatican, or yeah. the synod of the church in England. You know, all these things. So after resurrection and trinity and exclusivity of Christ, these matters of truth and error, we come to a next level of importance that Scripture teaches things uh, uh, to, and, and how you conduct your life on them. Yeah. And this is a little bit, well, wait, why wouldn't everything just go in truth and error? Aha, and yeah. here's why. Church polity. Ben, you're a Baptist. How could you be a Baptist? <laughs> well, I'm not anymore, you know. Oh, and good. That, and this is the reason. <laughs> no. Well, because church polity in Scripture, you can make a case for any one of three types of organizing your church. Baptist, which is congregation voting. Uh, what grace does, which is the right one, truth and error. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, elders, a group of elders shouldering the responsibility. Or the third one is where bishops are in charge. And you can make a scriptural case for each. You don't, I mean, you are going to land on one or your church is going to land on one. But that's an example. Um, yeah. What, what's another example that you want to bring up? Uh, I mean, I'll take the fun one. Like, role for women at church. Mm -hmm. I mean, just are all offices and functions equally shareable by men and women? Or does the Bible give some distinctions? Like at Grace, we really believe that elders are called by God to be men, mm -hmm. but that all other roles and giftings are both for men and women. And that's different in different areas. Churches, in different yeah. churches, yep. And so all churches will interpret Scripture and arrive at a place for belief and practice that reflects their grasp on Scripture in this regard. So this isn't—I mean, there's a reality and truth and error that we're trying to then as a group figure out, right? Right, and right. That, and that's where the distinctions come from. And it's Scripture rooted and the yep. group together figuring out, and that's why it's doctrine. So yep. even, even and quickly, you know, what's God's role in salvation? Is He sovereign in salvation? Yeah. Or does He take a step back and let our free will choose? Well, that's Calvin versus Arminian, mm -hmm. Arminius. And, and that's a way to look at Scripture. And your yep. church ideally looks the same. What are the bread and the wine? in the communion? Is it sacraments? Is it a means of grace? Is it just a symbol? How about the events of the end times? Ooh. I'm going on the first bus, pre-trib rapture, but what if another church isn't? You know, like, I mean, I hope yeah. I go on the first bus, <laughs> but maybe some days I'm post-millennial, honestly. Anything. Days of creation. Our literal 24 hours, other Christians and churches say, no, it's a long age or literary device. Use of tongues or healing today, was that for the apostles? Is it for today? There's a whole bunch of these matters that aren't exclusivity of Christ, Trinity, resurrection, Word of God, yeah. but matter in how you organize your church and your life and your Christian belief and practice. And so we call them matters of doctrine. Mm -hmm. But the key is we're not all together with a hundred different doctrines. We agree on things that go in this level. Yeah, and I think we see this not just in the church world as well, right? I mean, we... We do see it in the secular world, like political parties. That's a good point. 
and the the Democrats and the GOP, like ideological trends, political correctness has mm-hmm. moved to uh, <laughs> like probably progressive silliness. In the and <laughs> <laughs> is it, is that fair to say? And uh, and the doctrine of I got the like self affirming medical intervention. I mean, just when the fact that like a teenage girl says she's a boy, the medical establishment is just supposed to start the testosterone treatment, like mm-hmm. because. I, you and, know. It, and it's interesting to watch how how doctors are like, I don't think we should do that. But the the American Academy of Pediatrics says, no, this is what we should do. And like yeah. they're saying this is a doctrine now. And yeah. a lot of doctors I know are like, hang on, this is not common sense. And, yeah. and so even that matter of doctrine, American Academy of Pediatrics has put that in there. You're going to watch them take it out in the next couple of years. You can't cut healthy bodies. It's true. But this is me, common sense. I'm not medical. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in every association, there are things called doctrine. So matters of truth and error. Then secondly, matters of doctrine. Thirdly, matters of conviction. Ben, help us out on this one. Yeah, so this is a couple levels down, right? Of yep. reality and then on to doctrine. And now the third one down, conviction. You know, these are the things where it's the wisdom that we take from Scripture now lived out. Like this is how we make decisions to live our lives. It's when you're opening up Scripture, you see the story, you, or you, you see the passage, you see Paul's writing, and you understand the context of which that in, and then you apply it to your life as well. And so, of course, we're, we're assuming goodwill and that people want to live according to their conscience. So, like I was saying, this is wisdom lived out. It's the mm-hmm. ethics arising from Scripture. So uh, a couple quick examples, probably one of the easiest ones is a Christian's use of alcohol. Yeah, some that's good. some believers just they, they're they're convicted and live their lives in a place where they don't ever touch it, mm-hmm. and some believe it's a part of their Christian freedom to be able to do that as well. Who's right? Who's wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, they're both in the best in to the best of their abilities trying to live out their convictions. They look at Scripture, they've poured they're pouring into it. Yep, they're looking at it and they want to be as obedient as they can to the Lord. Without, you know, putting, like, hanging on large, like, just weighing themselves down as well. And so they're looking at this and go, how do I apply this to my life? And they come to different conclusions. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, exactly. And, and of course, we all say, oh, drunkenness is wrong. Scripture's really clear on Absolutely. that. But, okay, the Christian's use of alcohol, for some, no. For some, yes. Yep. And for everyone, no drunkenness. That's super simple. School choice is another one at Grace that we have a wonderful breadth of conviction on. We have people with their kids on purpose, homeschooling in public school, in private school, and in Christian school, and we make room for each other following our conviction. Yeah. I mean, it's just a good thing. I also think of uh, one that has often come up in the circles that I'm often in is kind of that Billy Graham rule Hmm. of not being around... Like not having meetings alone with women or being in the same yep. room alone with Someone a woman. Someone of the opposite sex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's funny. That's one of those ones that I look at. I'm like, oh, that makes sense because I want to protect my wife and be careful here and not, and not uh, to live so like as far above reproach as I can. But then there's so much pushback from another side. It's like, but you're limiting these situations in which women can be or they have different reasons or they have different convictions here. And it's just been an interesting thing to hear both sides and go, oh, they look at Scripture and they see we highlight as we're trying to be as faithful as we can, we can highlight little different things. Is he right? Is so? Mike Pence did this as well, mm-hmm. and he was mocked for it. Yeah, but and so he is was, he right or yeah. is, is is he wise? He's just simply trying to live out. 
mm-hmm. wisdom. And we have actually taken that that Billy Graham rule as a staff and in our guidelines, in our yeah. HR guidelines, actually, from a matter of conviction, we're saying, you know what? We're going to make sure that the door is always open if we're meeting with someone yeah. or there's a window in the door. We're not in a room or a car or a restaurant alone with a woman or, or with someone of the opposite sex. We're just not doing it. Okay, that's matters of conviction, which there I am talking about our HR policies, and we made it more than that. Uh, but then let's go finally in our lives to matters of preference or taste, the things that we like or we don't like. We do or we don't do. They're not really that important. There's no scriptural mandate for them. They don't last for eternity. You walk into someone's house, they have mid-century modern furniture and paint on the walls you'd never put. You think it's ugly. It doesn't matter. You'd still sleep there if it was storming out. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just preference. Yeah. Okay, so. I'm in one for church. It's just the musical don't style. Don't bring up music. Ah, uh, hey. You know, it's, it's one that always pops up. But what's interesting yeah, to me right. is how quickly this one can get moved into different categories. But where there, you know, there is nothing scriptural about the style in which we sing praise yeah. to God. Like, he just wants the praise. Yeah. And for us to sing out to him. And how, so also, scripture translations at Grace, yeah, we're okay. like, man, you know, whatever one you love, use. New American Standard, English Standard, NIV, King James, New King James message. Just be in the Word. <laughs> I mean, but there is the extra spiritual version, right? The not as inspired version. That's right. That's right. Um, so the four levels. Hopefully by now you get this idea of matters of truth and error or doctrine or conviction or preference. Just stuff that doesn't really matter. But I'm drawn to one over something else in life. Now, let's give a couple of cautions before we move on to how we interact with with people. First caution, and Ben was already alluding to this, uh, we won't all put a given topic on the same shelf. Three examples. Being a vegetarian. Absolutely out of nowhere. You are for vegetarian. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a happy meat eater. (laughs) But for some, it's a matter of preference. They just don't like meat or they're grossed out by it or whatever. For others, it's a matter of conviction. They don't want to hurt animals. And for others, it's a matter of doctrine. They're part of a group of people that says, no, we can't. We're ruining the earth and all the methane of the cows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and so you, you, like we're part of a bigger group, which is why I'm part of this. So there is a super simple, some vegetarians are by preference, some by conviction, and some by, I would imagine, fewer, but by, um, by doctrine. Now, you were talking uh, music and scripture translations a minute yeah. ago. How about those King James-only churches? Mm-hmm. They moved it. They moved it from a matter of preference, which we would say, past a matter of conviction to a matter of doctrine. Yeah. A King James-only church says you really can only use the King James. It's, I mean, if it was good enough for St. Paul, it's good enough for us. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, they yeah. turn it from conviction. I know people convictionally say, well, this is what I grew up on, and I love it, and I just relate to the Lord through the King James better. Yeah, That's a conviction. That's just where they are. Maybe it's a preference, but another church will make it a doctrine. I don't think you can do that, but that's me. Yeah. All right. Do you want me to hit COVID vaccines, or do you? Uh, I mean, I'll come out swinging if you want me to. I mean, COVID vaccines. Like, I, you know, we have so many people in our church, and this is just such a fun one, like genuinely to be able to, this, that we saw this play out in real time of how people handle something that can feel very divisive and very political. Of, we had certain people who were like, absolutely, I'm going to get vaccinated because that's that just seems to be the best direction. Other people on the opposite side felt like, well, absolutely not. And then so many people who were just kind of like, well, let me understand more. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we we all have family members who are convictionally against the vaccine at this point. It's too new to them. It's too forced, and mm-hmm. they're just not ready for it. But we also have the extended family who are willing to, but also ones who cannot believe that a Christian wouldn't be vaccinated. And this is what we do to love our neighbors. Yeah. And Wh- Which one are you writing yeah, off? Well, yeah. okay, how do we not cancel people? And so in this example, like all, you know, all of us in this example are believers. And, and so one of the things here at Grace and what's been so interesting and so fun to watch this play out is that we are believers, we are good think- thinkers, but we're also all fallible. And so we're all, mm-hmm. as we're struggling to kind of understand what to do with this, he took it, she didn't. Right, right. Some won't. And some think that people are taking way too long to come yeah. to their conclusions. Now, I think how we decide where to put something as we're thinking it through an opinion, a viewpoint, uh, a matter, wait, does, is this conviction, is this doctrine, is this truth or error, or is this just preference? I think the idea that the more you demand on the lower ones, the more you demand uniformity on conviction or on preference, the more you're a fundamentalist. Hmm. And the more that you allow for difference up at the top on what I would say the top shelf matters of truth and error, if you allow for difference up there, I think you're theologically liberal. Yeah. So that's how you know who someone, where someone is. If they're saying, oh, it really doesn't matter. There's many ways to God. Well, well, there are or there aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're not and you're saying there are, you're not holding to what truth is. Yeah. So you're, you're becoming theologically liberal. But on the other hand, down at the bottom, matters of preference, women in skirts. But if a church says, oh, every woman has to be a skirt or else they're you know, going against Leviticus or whatever, well, you're becoming fundamentalist. You're, you're forcing people into a mold on putting, a, putting as a doctrine what ought to be a conviction. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not an easy dance. Just like we've said, people yeah. put things on different shelves, which is why then we have to go all the way down to how do we interact without losing friends, without canceling people? Because this is rife for going up and down. So Ben, how would you lead us into that? Let's, like, let's go right down to what you would, what you would do personally and how we can, we can meet people where they are. So I just like trying to apply all this, right? I mean, I think, well, again, so I, I just recently spoke on this and got to preach yeah. on, through Romans 14, in which Paul walks us through this idea of the, the convictions we hold are unbelievably important mm-hmm. to be yes. fully convinced in your mind of the things that you hold. So not just to kind of flippantly go about them, but to be fully convinced, but to also hold people as being almost as like their value as people being a reality, a truth and error thing, even with your convictions being convictions, but that people's value matters Mm -hmm. and that we, there are times where our convictions get in the way of us loving people. And so one of the key takeaways was that a good reminder for us to apply in every situation that we're in, uh, whether you know, we have to be careful with this because Paul's talking specifically to believers and people within a church. So let's apply it there that every time we're in disagreement, every time that we're in a just a, like we're wrestling through a major decision with a brother or sister in Christ is to start off in this place of, hey, you are more important than my view. That's great. It doesn't mean you have to like literally say that to them. It might be worth it when the argument actually gets heated enough. But to always start off in that place, because I think that does a couple of things. And one of them is that it assumes the other person has something valuable to offer. Mm. We need to start there because theologically we all understand, like that's part of the Imago Dei. It's un- it's understanding that that person is valuable in and of themselves. And so at the base level, they have something to offer because they're valuable in general. A good, another reminder of that is that value comes in all sorts of packaging. You know, 
some of the most valuable people with the most valuable content, with the most valuable things I've ever said have come ways I just didn't expect it. Mm. And so that value comes in all sorts of packaging, content, wisdom, simply building or strengthening a relationship. All of these things matter. They're all unbelievably important. And all of them will happen or can happen if we're holding someone else's view as more important, as them as something, as someone who's more important than simply our views. Because often what we do with our views is we become evangelists for all of our pet preferences and views. <laughs> uh, we see this all the time, and I joke about this in my own life, of the things I get really passionate about. I want everyone to join them, not because I think everyone needs to do the same thing as I. I just am, I love this thing that I'm yeah. doing, yeah. and I think it's great. Uh, another quick help, I think, for many people of doing this well is to listen intently and speak last. Mm. One of the beauties of getting to listen intently and speaking last is you make. Did people, you notice I was listening? Yeah, and not speaking? I, I, yep. You were you were halfway out, but it, it makes people feel heard, and you get the privilege of actually hearing them, understanding them, and seeing where they're coming from because they have something valuable to say. By the way, the most times Susan and I disagree, end up disagreeing, is when one of us hasn't listened to mm. the other one to the end of what they were saying, and we jumped in first. Yeah. I do that all the time. I, and, and it's That's just so good. It's man. a natural thing to do. I, and mm-hmm. cause we're human and we, we do err and we do, we, we like to be right more often than we care about other people. And you know, when we start throwing out our viewpoints, it's more about us than it is yeah. about understanding that they have something valuable to offer that you by listening can get something great. Uh, but a very practical thing that we, I think we always need to do. This is, uh, something that's revolutionized my, uh, relationships and just be able to communicate with people well into this. Give the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Can we put that on a bumper sticker? Uh, we should. And just tattoo it on our foreheads. Or no, on our hands so we can see it. You know, you don't just want it for everybody else. Because the truth is, you, no matter the disagreement, no matter where they're putting this, you don't know their full situation. You don't know their reasoning. And here's a good one that we all need to hear. We could also be wrong. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many times with so many of these convictions where somebody will put something in conviction, I'm like, no, 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 that's just a preference thing. Yeah. But they have so much history and so much story that has moved that up from simply, and so much hurt that has moved that from a preference to a conviction. Yep. And they look at scripture and they're like, no, 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 I see it here and this is true. And that's great. There's also been the opposite where I'm like, no, no, guys, you're, this is a conviction thing and you're just tossing this at preference. Because I don't know their full situation. I don't yeah. know their full reasoning. And when I hold something, when I see them as valuable, I can actually have that conversation and go, oh, now I understand. And I don't vilify them for it. Yeah. I think that's what one of our problems is. When, people, when we disagree, we live in a culture where we disagree, and those we disagree with, we vilify. Because we say my view is more important than you, the exact opposite yep. of your tagline. You are more important than my view. Yep. But every one of us, and social media gets us to, and it's not just social media, it's been going on for a thousand years, Turns it upside down. My view matters more than the person in front of me creating God's image. Absolutely. Oh, this is so good. Okay. You are more important than my view. Listening to understand, listening more, speaking less, giving the benefit of the doubt. All of those things are how we can go through disagreements without canceling people. Because we are going to have... I mean, truth and error is out there, and stuff goes there. So we have to have full unity there. Doctrine or, or collective beliefs that affect our practice are there for groups, and we have to have deep cohesion or we shouldn't be in the group. Mm-hmm. Conviction. Every one of us has convictions, but mine might be different than yours. So now we get to you are more important than my view. But we need true mutual respect. And then finally, 
with our preferences when they differ. And I just need to have a generous spirit. Amen. This is great. You're more important than my view. How to disagree without canceling people, how to have convictions and be convinced of things without closing people off. Ben, thank you so much for helping us with this. Absolutely. Always a joy. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back the next time. And in the meantime, send this to someone that can help because we're all with people in our families, in our friend circles. Maybe this can help spur a conversation in your life and in your friend zone. Take care and thanks for encountering grace. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.